0: O oh Lord, how can we keep our way pure? It is only by living according to your word. And so, Lord, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to us now so that we live according to your word and our ways are kept pure. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we continue our series in the book of Philippians and recently we've been looking at towards the end of chapter 1 and Chapter and the beginning of chapter 2 at the the commands that the Apostle Paul is giving the church in Philippi. He loves the people in Philippi very much. He's been writing to them as a church that he helped plant and that has been greatly concerned for him as they have been great supporters of him and they know that he's in prison. So he's spoken at the beginning of the letter about himself to try and alleviate their concerns but then he's giving them some instructions as to how they are to live and he's been telling them that they need to unify, they need to stand as one man and last week we looked at the, the the love of God and how that brings unity to the church, and that was in verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, from God's love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion from God, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And so this week we look at the following words of the Apostle Paul and how he continues to encourage the church in Philippi to have the same attitude, to have the same mindset, to have the one mind, the like-mindedness that he encourages in verse 2 but also back in the end of chapter 1. And this morning he encourages... Uh, well, we're going to look at it this morning, but he encourages in verse 3 this attitude that the church should have if they are to unite with one another. What is this attitude that they should have? Well, it's a humble attitude. Verse 2, he says, "'Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves.'" each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. If the people are to unite with one another, then they need to have humility. They need to be humble in the way that they deal with one another. And then the Apostle Paul gives the church in Philippi a wonderful example of humility, a wonderful example that he upholds before them so that they too can follow that example. Now, who is the example that they have? Well, It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude should be one that Jesus Christ has exemplified. Now, how did the Lord Jesus show humility? How did the Lord Jesus show humility? Well, the first way that the Apostle Paul draws out is in this marvellous hymn that he he gives here from verses 6 through to verse 11 the incarnation. He draws out the incarnation, which is the Lord Jesus becoming human. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. The Lord Jesus becoming human is a great act of humility. You may say, well, I'm human That's not particularly humiliating, is it, to be human? Isn't it a glorious thing to be made in the image of God? But we're always being human. Whereas the Lord Jesus, who was he before he became human? The Son of God. We read that in verse 6. Who in being very nature God, God himself Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. If you are God and then you become human, it is a humiliating thing to do. It is like making yourself nothing, emptying yourself, which is how it is described in verse 7. But made himself nothing. If you are God and then become human, it is to become nothing. It is to become what? a servant, which is what we read in verse 7, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Why do we associate servanthood with humanity? Well, we are created to serve God. Humans were created to serve, to serve under God's law, to do his will. And so if you become a human, you are born under the law. You're born a servant. And that is what the son of god did he became human he became under the law it is like a king waiting on his own table he becomes a servant at his own table now i want to be clear here that the lord jesus did not cease to be god he did not cease to be god when he became human no he simply added humanity to himself a humbling thing to do But that is what he did. He added humanity to himself. So that's the first thing that the Apostle Paul draws out from the life of Jesus, to show humility, to show an example of humility. The humanity that Jesus took on was a humbling experience. But what else did the Lord Jesus do in humility? Well, he died. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. How? and became obedient to death. He died. Dying is a humiliating thing. It is something that we are forced to submit to. And as a servant, it is pretty much the limit as to what we can be asked to do. Of all the things that your employer can ask you to do, if he was to say tomorrow, I want you to die for me, it's kind of the last straw where you may say, look, I've resigned. I I just can't do this anymore. This is not what I'm going to submit to. This is where my humility ends. I won't die. But the Lord Jesus was commanded by God to die, to submit to death as part of God's will for him. In service to God and in service to God's people, the Lord Jesus died. And it wasn't just any death that the Lord Jesus died. What does the text say? Verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Is that where it ends? No. Even death on a cross. He didn't die just any death. He died a shameful, painful death. He had the wrath of God poured out upon him. A humiliating experience for anyone, let alone for the Son of God who never sinned himself. But the Lord Jesus did this out of service for God. Now, why would God order the Lord Jesus to die and to die such a death? Well, it was to carry our sin. We read in Isaiah 53 before, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. The Lord Jesus was willed by God to carry our sins, which meant he was willed by God to die for our sins, which meant he was willed by God to be crucified for our sins and to suffer the wrath of God for our sins so that we could be healed, so that we could experience peace rather than the death that we deserve. So Jesus, is he the greatest example of humility in the history of man? Yes, a billion times yes. Both his incarnation, becoming human, the Son of God taking on flesh, is humiliating in itself. Being born under the law as a servant of God, when he is God himself, humiliating. But then to go to die despite the fact that he never sinned and then to die a death by crucifixion has anyone ever experienced such a humbling in the history of man no the lord jesus is the greatest example of humility but what did god do as a result of the humility of the lord jesus christ well God exalted Jesus. And we read that in verses 9 through to verse 11. After reading about his humiliation, we read about his exaltation. In verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The exaltation of the Lord Jesus came. As a result of his humiliation, he was raised from the dead, resurrected. He ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God in session and one day will come and every knee will bow before him. Because of his humiliation, he has been exalted higher than all. He went the lowest, he's also gone the highest. Now, if you want to build a very large building, a very large building, what must we do if we're going to build a very big building? Well, you must dig. Dig a lot. Dig and dig and dig. Why? Well, you need a very big foundation if you're going to have a very big building. You don't just start building on what is there. No, you dig deep to then go high. You want to have the highest building in the world? You're probably going to have to have the deepest foundation in the world. And so, as we look at the Lord Jesus, what do we see? We see a man who dug further down than anybody else in history, came down to earth, and then went to the depths of hell at the cross. And then, what happened? A very large building rose as a result of his work. He dug the deepest, but he's also gone the highest and has the largest of buildings of all his people have been built as stone upon stone in this huge building that reaches how high? To heaven. To heaven itself. There is no other God. There is no other religion that teaches anything like this. In fact... You look at other religions and they're repulsed by Christianity. The idea that the Son of God would become human is repulsive to them. The idea that God would die at the cross is repulsive to them. They cannot understand it. But we do as Christians. We understand that Jesus has gone the lowest to then go the highest. Now, why is the Apostle Paul teaching this to the people in Philippi and teaching it to us today as we examine this text together why does Paul give us this magnificent hymn about the Lord Jesus Christ about his humiliation and his exaltation well in church history this passage this hymn before us has been in numerous debates over the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ And so people have picked apart every Greek word in these few verses here, particularly verses 6 and 7, over whether the humanity of Jesus Christ is indeed true. But that's not what the Apostle Paul is trying to teach this morning, ultimately. What's his point of this passage? Is it to teach the humiliation and the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that his point for including this hymn at this point in his letter? No, he's not... Teaching doctrine per se, teaching the humanity and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ just for information. It's almost assumed that they would know this. Why is he teaching this? It's so the people of God would have the same attitude of the Lord Jesus. He is teaching ethics here. He's teaching the people of God how to live. What is the way to live? And what is the way to live? It's a life of humility, which then breeds unity with God's people. He wants the people of God to be unified. Now, how does looking at the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his incarnation, how does it produce unity? Well, if you follow his example and are humble, then you will do the things or avoid the things that are listed for us in verses 2, 3, and 4 of the chapter. In verse 2, it says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, and do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. If you follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have his attitude, then you will certainly unite with God's people because why? You won't divide by being selfish, by being conceited, by being inconsiderate, by being self-interested as we see there in verses 3 and 4, that we're supposed to avoid. Why? Because Christ wasn't selfish. He wasn't conceited. He wasn't inconsiderate and self-interested. And his example of humility brought unity with us. It united us to him. And so if we follow his attitude, then what will our lives look like? Our lives will look like the lives of servants, of slaves of God, serving for God's will and ultimately his glory, as we saw at the end of verse 11, that eventually it all comes back to the glory of God. The humility of the Lord Jesus led to the glory of God and so our humility in uniting with one another will give God glory. So in what ways will we see ourselves uniting if we follow the Lord Jesus Christ? Well... If we are slaves like the Lord Jesus and we follow his example, well, then we'll meet the needs of others. If you look at the life of the Lord Jesus, you see how he's meeting the needs of those around him. And as he does so, it unites him, it binds his heart to the hearts of the people that he helps. What do I mean? Well, physical needs. You see the Lord Jesus, he doesn't just care about spiritual needs, he cares about physical needs. You see him going around, he feeds people, he washes people, he heals people. And that's what we're to do if we are to follow his example. We should be meeting the physical needs of those around us. And as we do so, it binds us with them. They appreciate our efforts and they like us for it. They love us for it. And so they unite with us. But we also meet the spiritual needs of people. Lord Jesus, he was concerned about the physical, the body, but he was also very much concerned about the soul. And he went around helping people with their spiritual needs. He went around helping people to hear God's word. He went around helping people to pray to God. And that's what we're to do if we follow his example. We're to help people with hearing the word of God. We're to help people with learning how to pray to God and even interceding on their behalf, even with them or away from them. And we can then say, I prayed for you. And what does that do? It binds us to that person as we follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's easy to see how humility breeds this helping of others because what does a proud person do? If you're proud, what's your attitude? I'm too important to help others. They should be helping me. I'm the important one. But is that the attitude of the Lord Jesus? He was a servant king. He came to serve, not to be served. And that that should be our attitude if we have a humble attitude. We will not be saying, I'm so important, everybody should be serving me. We'll be looking to serve others rather than be served ourselves. And what other way will we see humility in our lives? We'll help others with their needs, both physical and spiritual. But if we look at the life of the Lord Jesus and we see his humble life, what else should we see in our lives? Well, it should be shown by a life of reconciliation. A life of reconciliation. If we are humble, then we should be willing to suffer for the reconciliation with one another so that we have unity with one another. We need to be reconciling with one another. What does a proud person do? A proud person never says sorry. Never says sorry. Never admits to doing anything wrong. And what does a proud person also do? He never says, I forgive you. I forgive you. He doesn't forgive. He says, Don't you know who I am? How dare you do that to me? I can never forgive you for that. Whereas, what does a humble person do? A humble person says, Sorry. A humble person says, How can I make it up to you? A humble person says, I will endeavour to do my best to never do that to you again. That's what a humble person does. And what else does a humble person say? I forgive you. Of course I forgive you for what you did against me. Yes, it was sin, but of course I forgive you. As you say sorry to me, of course I forgive you. Why? Because I've sinned so much against my God, so of course I will forgive you. That's what a humble person does. And so we see in the life of Jesus, he came, he met people's physical needs, he met people's physical, uh, spiritual needs, their relationship with God, but of course he brought reconciliation through his humility, didn't he? And so if we are humble people, if we share the same attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will be a people who say sorry to one another. And we'll be a people who say, I forgive you, to one another. And what will happen? Unity. Unity will come about all by itself. You may be saying this morning, hang on, Joel, I'll never be good enough to do this. And doesn't that then mean I won't be exalted because that's if we're following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was humbled and then exalted. If we humble ourselves and unite with God's people, doesn't that mean that we'll be exalted as well? Well, the Lord Jesus Himself said in Luke chapter 18, verse 14 For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. If we humble ourselves and unite with others, we will be exalted, is what the Lord Jesus Christ. But you say, hang on, it's too hard. I look at my own self and I'm terrible at meeting other people's physical needs. I'm terrible at helping people with their spiritual needs. And I'm terrible at serving others and trying to reconcile with people. I struggle to say I'm sorry. I struggle to say I forgive you. Doesn't that mean then, Joel, that I will never be exalted? Because I I can't have the same attitude as the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I see something of humility in my life, but the same attitude as Christ Jesus? Well, if you think that by humbly uniting with God's people, by serving them, by by reconciling with them, that you will somehow earn your exaltation, then you've missed the point of the Bible. You've missed the whole point of the Bible. We don't humbly unite with others in order to be exalted. We humbly unite with Christ in order to be exalted to heaven. If we unite with Christ Jesus, his humiliation becomes our humiliation. We die with him and are buried with him if we unite with Jesus Christ. And then, if we unite with Jesus Christ in his death and his burial, the Bible also teaches us that we are raised with Christ and ascend with Christ and even reign with Christ right now. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. If we unite with Christ, we are humbled with him but then exalted with him. His humiliation becomes ours, but his exaltation also becomes ours. So then the question is, is how do we unite with Christ Jesus? Well, the answer is, you've got to humbly repent of your sins and trust that Jesus Christ paid for them at the cross. You need to see how terrible your sin actually is. How terrible is our sin? It's so terrible that for it to be made up for, required the son of god himself to become human and to die not just any death but to be crucified you want to see how terrible your sin is look at jesus on the cross man crucified that's how terrible our sin is but by repentance and faith what happens well we rise higher than any other building we rise up to heaven itself with the Lord Jesus Christ. No other religion can take you that high. Only Christ Jesus. And if you unite with him by repenting of your sins and trusting in him, you will rise with him. But why then did I say before, quoting the Lord, words of the Lord Jesus, that if we unite with other Christians, we will be exalted? I mean, the Lord Jesus says, who, who humbles himself will be exalted. Well, if we unite with other Christians even unite with those outside the church, as we try and reconcile with them, as we try and live good lives amongst them and serve them, meet their physical needs, but also help them, hopefully, with their spiritual needs, as we love our neighbour as ourself. What does that show? It shows we have the humility to abandon our sin and trust in Christ Jesus, to unite with Christ Jesus. By not being selfish, look with me at verse 3, by not being selfish, or conceited, or inconsiderate, and then in verse 4, uh, being disinterested in the needs of others, being self-interested, by not having those things in your life, what does that show? It shows humility. And serving others for their physical and spiritual needs, and reconciling with others, what does that show? It shows humility. I've hammered that again and again. But why is seeing humility in your life so good? Why is seeing unity with others because of humility so good? Well, it shows us that we have that humility to repent of our sins, the true humility to repent of our sins and trust in Jesus Christ. And if we have that humility that has brought us low before God, to repent and to trust in him as the only way of salvation then, of course, we will be exalted with Christ and glorify God accordingly. So if you unite with Christians, it's not so that you will be exalted. It's to show that, of course, you will be exalted because you have already united with Jesus Christ. Whereas if you don't unite with Christians, what does that show? Well, it shows you don't have that humility To turn to Christ. Being selfish, conceited, inconsiderate, self-interested shows what? Pride. Not serving others for their physical and spiritual needs like the Lord Jesus did. Not reconciling with other people. It shows what? Pride. And why is that bad? Well, it shows you're too proud to repent of your sins and to trust in Jesus Christ. And why is that bad? The Bible tells us that God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud if you're a proud person you'll never be exalted but instead will be cast into the depths of hell just as the lord jesus said everyone who exalts himself will be humbled may not be in this life definitely be in the next and he who humbles himself will be exalted so if there is any possibility that you are not a part of christ's building that ascends up into heaven Come to him now humbly. You may ask, how can I know whether I'm one of Christ Jesus? How can I know that I'm part of his building? Well, do you see persistent disunity in your life? Disunity with other believers, even with people outside the church, that there's a prickliness about yourself, that there's a hostility towards others, a lack of willingness to serve, a lack of willingness to reconcile with others, a selfishness, a conceit, an inconsideration of others, a self interest all the time, they're warning signs, like little lights, red flashing lights. You don't have the true repentance. You don't have the true faith that it plunges with Christ, but is also exalted with Christ. If that is you, you can see any disunity in yourself now, then plumb the depths of hell now with Christ Jesus by faith. Plunge the depths, plumb the depths of hell with Christ Jesus by faith and then rise with him or otherwise you will plumb the depths of hell for eternity and never rise. Do it now joyfully lean upon the foundation that deep 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 foundation of christ jesus which then goes to the greatest of heights went to the greatest of depths but now goes to the greatest of heights so you can rejoice in what he has done for you and then what should you do well watch the spirit unite you with god's people serving others physically and spiritually Watch the Spirit unite you with God's people by reconciliation, by you actually saying, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. Every time you say, I'm sorry to someone, it's a helpful little green light saying, yes, you are part of Christ. Every time you say, I forgive you, it's a little green light given by the Holy Spirit that you are part of Christ's building. You are saved and you reign with him even now. Watch the spirit make you less selfish, less conceited, less inconsiderate and self-interested. Is there any chance this morning that you need to stop trying to build your own building to heaven? Much of the world is doing it. They're trying their hardest to build to heaven themselves. They spend a whole lifetime maybe trying to do the things that the Apostle Paul instructs the church in Philippi to do. They try not to be selfish. They try not to be conceited. They try to be considerate. They try to be selfless. They try to serve others. But at the end of a lifespan of 70, 80 years, what's the best that they've done in ascending to heaven with their life of attempts of humility... May have laid a brick, one brick, maybe not even that, with all their hard work. Don't do it, but instead come to Christ and build upon His foundation. Now, some of you in this church, of course, as members of this church, you are part of the building of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you want to do better. You want to unite with others to prove your union with Christ even more and to glorify God more by that humility that you want to exercise in your life by the power of the spirit so what do you do what do we do to improve in our unity with others well we need to increase our knowledge of Christ's attitude and his actions increase our knowledge of Christ's attitude and actions we never really grasp I've been studying the Bible for a long time but we never really grasped the depth of Christ's humiliation, the depth of his foundation, how, go- how far it goes. We're like people who move into a house, or let's say an apartment building, and we know something of the foundation. We see a little bit of it. Maybe we see the car park and see some pillars that go down, an underground car park. We see something of it. And as we learn more about the building, What happens? We moved in first. We see something of the solid nature of the foundation. But as the man understands how deep the foundation goes, maybe he gets some architectural plans, maybe he hears a bit of a history of the building, what does he do? He moves more and more of his life into that building. He knows it can sustain everything he brings in. Maybe he even moves his whole family into the building, knowing there's plenty of room in there. This building can support us. That's what the Christian does. When he moves in, he doesn't understand the depths of the foundation. He understands enough to rest his soul on it. But over his lifetime, he understands more and more the incarnation, what it means that man, that God became man and died. Not any death, a death on a cross, So of course this will support me. Of course I can rest everything in my life upon this foundation as I learn more and more about it. And so if you want to have greater unity with God's people, you want to live more and more for the glory of God and to live according to his ways, then understand more and more the depths of Christ's humility. How far down he went for your sake. Because as you do that, you will be humbled more. You will trust God more. You will repent of your sins more. You will rejoice more. And you will naturally serve him more. And want to glorify one who who descended so low, but has then ascended so high. If you're just a new Christian, you may be just beginning to grasp how deep the foundation is which you're resting upon. But keep on grasping at it and you'll experience ever-increasing joy and ever-increasing holiness of life, a desire to serve God. And if we're mature Christians, let's not stop studying the incarnation of Christ Jesus. And let's not stop studying the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we keep studying him, studying his humiliation, then it will lead naturally to a desire to glorify him and serve one another and serve him in every way that we can. Let's come to him now. Let's come to him in prayer. Lord Jesus We cannot praise you for your humility enough, a humility that led you to become man and be obedient to death, even death on a cross. Oh Lord, we confess that our attitude has not been what it should be. We have been selfish. We've been conceited. We've been inconsiderate and self-interested. We've been unrepentant and unforgiving. So Lord, we ask that you would help us and forgive us because of our sin and help us to know more of your death so that we trust in you more and rejoice in humbling, humbly serving one another for your glory. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who has never turned from their sin, may they see the horror of their sin now, that it is so evil that the Son of God had to become flesh, had to die on a cross in order for it to be atoned, in order for your wrath to be satisfied. And so, Lord, we pray that they would see the horror of their sin and trust in Christ Jesus now so that they rest upon his foundation and are exalted with him today. And we pray this in your name. Amen.